Our Father, as we continue to learn about prayer, will you teach us? Will you help us to be more faithful in our praying? We know it is important, but each of us has struggled at times with what to say or how to do it. Lord, help us grow in that way so that the reality of the kingdom of God might be our everyday experience as we seek you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Helen Roseveri was a physician in Northern Ireland, Ireland, and she served as a medical missionary in Zaire. And she wrote this account as an experience she had with prayer. And I want you to hear the account. The following noon, as I did most days, I went to have prayers with many of the orphanage children who had chose to gather with me. I gave the youngsters various suggestions of things to pray about and told them about the tiny baby. Now, a couple paragraphs before this, she describes how a woman the day before gave birth and she died in childbirth. And they're trying to figure out how to care for the baby. I explained our problem about keeping the baby warm enough mentioning we needed a hot water bottle, or many of them. The baby could so easily die if it got chilled, and I told them about also the two-year-old sister who was crying because of her mother. During the prayer time, one 10-year-old girl, Ruth, prayed with the usual blunt consciousness of African children. Please, God, she prayed, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow. God, the baby will be dead by then. So please send it this afternoon. While I gasped inwardly at the audacity of the prayer, she added this. And while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so that she could know that you love her? As often it is with children's prayers, I was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen to that? I just did not believe that God could do this. Oh yes, I know he can do everything. The Bible says that. But there are limits, aren't there? The only way God could answer this particular prayer would be by sending a parcel from the homeland. I had been in Africa for almost four years and I had never received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send a parcel, who would put a hot water bottle in it? I lived on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching in the nurse's training school, a message was sent that there was a car at my front door. By the time I reached home, the car had gone, but there on the veranda was a large 22-pound parcel. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I could not open the parcel alone, so I sent for the orphanage children who had prayed. Together, we pulled off the string, carefully undoing each knot. We folded the paper, taking care not to tear it, excitement mounting, some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on this large cardboard box. From the top, I lifted out 
brightly colored knitted jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I gave them out. Then there were knitted bandages for some of our leprosy patients, and the children began to look a little bored. It's kind of like Christmas when they're opening the clothes and like wait for the next thing. Next came a box of mixed raisins. That would be a nice batch of things to give them. But as I put my hand in again, I felt it can't be. I gasped and I pulled it out. A brand new rubber hot water bottle. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. We're in a series on prayer. Something that, as we started it, it challenges everybody. Sometimes the challenges are, I just don't really believe God would do this or could do this. Sometimes the challenges are, I've been doing it for a long time and nothing's happening. And sometimes the challenges are, I just don't really know how to do it. Just not very good at praying. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I should be praying about. And all of those things, they are legitimate concerns. And what I've been trying to do through this series is touch on each of them. How do we get to a point where we have a greater confidence to come before the Lord, to know what we should expect, to stand under those times when it's harder, to, eat, to know what to say, Today, I want to address the issue of what to say. I, it was interesting how she said up here, um, I gave the youngsters various suggestions of things to pray about. Sometimes I wonder, because it's been true for me, I'm just not always sure what to pray about. I may have my list but I'm not sure where to go outside of that. And so what I wanna talk about today is what do we pray about? And to begin that, I wanna to go to the Timothy reading. First Timothy chapter two. I wanna start with this idea. First Timothy chapter two. Verse one says this. First of all, then. And I just, I want you to notice the first of all, then, References back to chapter one. Paul is writing to a young church planter and he's giving him direction on doing church, setting things up, organization, what to do with people who are out of line. I mean, there's just a bunch of practical things that Paul's dealing with. But in the beginning, this whole first thing are kind of bigger ideas, almost like, let me set a foundation. And as he moves into the practical, the very first thing he hits. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now, I probably would have said something like, first of all, get business cards, get your website. I think it's really interesting that Paul dives immediately into, this is what you first of all need to be doing. Now, he's going to get very practical. Business cards matter in the church. So does the website. But it's not his starting point. His starting point is prayer. 
And he gives this list of supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. And there's some debate about, you know, are these all synonyms? And he's kind of piling things up to make a point. Or are they distinct kinds of prayers? And I'm going to kind of argue in the middle of that. I actually do think that in some way he's trying to pile some things up because it's so important that we do it. However, each of the terms pictures three circles to create a Venn diagram. There's a ton of overlap between every one of these terms. You can use them as synonyms in the right context. And yet, there's also little bits of distinctions. Right? Let me give you let me give you how the breadth of things he's asking within these three words. All right, within these three words, you have a connection to immediate needs that are specific. One of those words carries that idea, immediate specific needs, and often for yourself. One of those words has an idea of more general petition. It could be for anybody, and it might not be something that is like, Andy needs a car. It might just be, bless Andy as he's going through this tough time. Or it might be, Lord, those, that organization over there really needs your help. And then you've got one of these words that is a crying out. It's a heart thing. like a, And typically, it's for other people. It can be for you, but it's typically for other people. So here's what I want to point out. The breadth of prayer. Prayer is for you and for people around you. Prayer is for specific immediate needs and for more general things. Prayer is for the, I mean, when you were just, God, I cannot take it anymore. Or, God, please help this person. All of that is part of prayer. There's a breadth to what we're called to pray for. Right? And I think Paul starts with this idea of this breath and how it's first of all, because this is what he understands. Everything that happens for the kingdom of God happens through the power of God. It happens through God working. And so he's gonna give all the practical things, but before he gives all the practical things, he wants to say, you got to be praying. In all of these ways, you've got to be praying because that is what is going to make all the rest of this work, right? All right, so different kinds of prayers that I wanna talk about before I do, I want to use an extended analogy through this next part. Now, I'm gonna talk about three different types of prayers topics of prayer that all of us can be using, and I want to use an analogy throughout them to try to show you how each one fits with the other, right? Now, to do that, I just found a couple of analogies so that you get what I'm doing. Um, here's one. My mind is like a web browser. 19 tabs are open, three are frozen, and I have no idea where the music is coming from. My decision-making skills are as good as a squirrel that's crossing the street. I'm like Pac-Man when I'm at a party. I eat everything, and I run away from anyone coming close to me. 
here are a couple that I thought were really beautiful. What sunshine is to flowers, smiles are to humanity. They are but trifles to be sure, but scattered along life's pathway, the good they do is inconceivable. Thought this was really neat. If you want to make beautiful music, you must play the black and the white notes together. And that was said 50 years ago, to get an idea of. This one is not necessarily beautiful, but it is convicting. To most Christians, the Bible is like a software license. Nobody actually reads it, they just scroll to the bottom and click, I agree. I wanna give an analogy for prayer. And here's the analogy. Prayer is like taking a road trip. And I'm gonna give you certain aspects of this road trip so that you can see and visualize how these aspects of prayer work and how they work together, right? Number one, a topic of prayer or a type of prayer is confession. Um, if you want to follow this, you can turn to Daniel chapter nine, and I'm gonna show you a prayer of confession. Daniel chapter nine, we will begin in verse three. Daniel chapter nine and verse three. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Notice how he starts. Just what we talked about last week. He's telling God about God. He's reminding, he's telling God, this is who you are. Um, and, and I can say that you are steadfast. Your love is steadfast. And then I can move into this. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, specifically turning aside from your commandments and rules. Specifically, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. We know they spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of this land. But to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. Now, I want you to notice some parts of the confession. All, right, all the stuff we've been talking about is part of this. Right, he begins the confession by telling God about God. However, as he goes into the confession, it is specific. We have broken the commandments. We've not listened to the prophets. You're the righteous one, we're not. We have shame. He doesn't run from his sinfulness, he owns it. He doesn't push it on those people. He's not praying a confession while thinking, I wish this other person who'd done this thing to me would you know, confess. He's very much focused on, this is what we've done. This is what I've done. This is my sin. Confession is when we, now let's go back to another part of what we talked about, genuinely share with God, that was last week also, those ways that we have rebelled, those ways that we have hurt people, those ways that we have ignored what God's called us to, without excuse, without thinking of ways to justify ourselves, 
but being genuinely honest with God about where we have messed up. That is confession. I read this little article by a priest, and he was talking about, he works at a parochial school, and he was talking about how the children, when they would go to confession, they were having a difficult time remembering their sins. I'm, which, I don't know. I don't know how you have a difficult time doing that. Difficult time remembering the sins. So he encouraged them to start writing them down and to bring the sheet of paper with them to confession. And he said, one young boy came in and he pulled, he heard the paper, he pulled it out and the boy started reading. I lied to my parents, I disobeyed my mom, I fought with my brothers, and and then there was a long pause. In an angry little voice, he said, hey, this isn't my list. Make sure that when we practice confession, it's our list. Make sure that you're really coming before the Lord And bringing those ways where you've gotten off. Those ways where you're not aligned with him. And here's why. Let me go to my analogy. It is because confession is like a compass. All right, so here's my road trip. I want to go north because that's where Colorado is and I'd like to be in Colorado. Uh, Maybe northwest a little, but I want to go north but I need to know where north is. I need to know the direction I'm supposed to be going. And confession is this. I've been going over this way, and when I pull out my compass, the word of God, the people of God around me, church, worship, all of these things that remind me of truth. And I go, oh. So you look at the little degree things on the compass, and you're like, wow, I am like 30 degrees off from where I'm supposed to be. I'm gonna confess my sins, I'm gonna get this out so that I can get back to facing the right direction. And if you remember 1 John chapter one and verse nine, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, confession is not just, God, here's my stuff. It's, I'm doing this, I'm the wrong direction. I don't even know where north is at this point until I'm looking at the word of God or until somebody in my life comes and they share with me that something is really off and I go, oh God, I am really off. Lord, this is where I should be. I have done this and this and this. And as we confess, we are pointed back the right direction and cleansed. He says, no, you can go that direction. Like, I know you were doing this, but as you are confessing, I'm helping you, I'm cleansing you, I'm moving you back so you can go that direction, right? Confession, one aspect of prayer that is the compass that gives us, that we know we go the right direction, right? Number two, Thanksgiving. And with Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to see this in a number of different ways. I'm going to read a couple of short sections quickly because I just want to show you. So Colossians chapter 1, he says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God when we pray for you. This is Philippians chapter 1. 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, all, uh, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Again, there's an always. Like every time I pray for you guys, I'm giving thanks. And then, if you remember, intercessions, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings. And in Philippians 4, he does a very similar thing. He says toward the end, in Philippians 4, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. There it is again. Thanksgiving is meant to be in all that we're doing. It's just flowing through their prayers. And it's like every prayer I'm doing this, or every time I'm talking about these multiple ways of doing it, with thanksgiving, it always needs to be a part of it. Why is thanksgiving so important? Thanksgiving functions a little bit like the navigation system. Imagine I've figured out north and I've put that in and I start going. What happens when you get off the path? And your little system goes, rerouting now. It's trying to get you what? Back to where you're supposed to be going. Sometimes what I wish would happen, because this happens all the time, I'm, I'm going along and it's telling me to get off, but I can't tell if it's this one or this one until I'm past it. And I really wish sometimes Siri would just go, hey, dummy, you missed it. Because that's, I know what she's actually feeling because it happens too often. But there's this like, how do you stay on the path? How do you keep going? Thanksgiving coupled with, and this is what we talked about in week two, humility, they are like the things that keep us going on the path. Have you ever bowled with your kids and you put the things in the gutter so it can't go into the gutter? It's like those because what they do, when you focus on thanksgiving, thanksgiving gets us outside of ourself. It reminds us of the beautiful things that God is doing. It reminds us of how big he is. And those are things within humility that keep us, or at least guard us, from shifting over here. Because a lot of our sinfulness comes from things like, well, that person wasn't treating me right, and I'm just, nothing's going right in my life, so I'm gonna go ahead and just do whatever I want. There's attitudes involved in our sinfulness. And when we are practicing thanksgiving on a regular basis, and when we, have, when we approach God humbly, it's like those barriers. What it reminded me of is, so our, our baby is finally kind of walking a little bit. Not much by himself. But over the last two weeks, we had this game, and my older kids love it. They get his two little hands, and they just, he just takes off. And as long as you're holding his hands and his hands are up like this, he's just, and he'll walk circles around our kitchen, you know, and they're loving it. But I decided a couple of days ago, I'm like, you're getting pretty good at this. Let's try the one-handed. So I gave him one hand. He just sat down. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. And I go, come on. Can I pull him up? You could do this. Tried it again, tried it again. Finally, he takes a few steps. But... His steps are kind of like, and he turns a little bit, and he's kind of going back like this, and then kind of over like this, and he's just very, like, he can't quite keep on a path when you only have one hand. He's, he's swerving. So then you grab the other hand, 
And all of a sudden, he's walking like he should. Thanksgiving is like grabbing God's hands and keeping that path, remembering, having that humility, saying, God, I know you're working. This is hard right now, but you're working. Like, I'm gonna trust you. And there are some beautiful things in my life. I know right now everything just feels awful or, or I'm really struggling with that or with that or I wish this person were doing this or I wish my job were, I could know what's gonna happen with my job. And, and we can get lost in those things. And when we get lost in those things, we also sometimes stop trusting God. We start moving in dark ways. And he's like, just reach up with thanksgiving and grab my hands. Reach up in humility and remember, I'm with you. I want to keep you on this path. So confession, confession reorients. It's like, all right, I'm back, that's north. Gotta keep going that way. Thanksgiving, it's that thing that says, I wanna stay on this path as I head north. Right? Both things, really, they should be part of our everyday prayer life. Is there ever a day where you don't have something to confess? Is there ever a day you don't have to reorient a little bit? You had some thoughts you wish you didn't have, or maybe you did something you really wish you wouldn't have done. It was wrong. I'm reorienting. And there's never a day where we don't need Thanksgiving. And I know from personal experience, the harder the thing you're going through, the harder it is to find reasons to be thankful. But it's especially in those times that God can use thankfulness to remind us of what he's doing. And lastly, number three, and this is the one that we're all used to, and we'll spend a few minutes here and then only a few minutes, intercession, praying for people, asking God for things, petition, whatever you want to call it. Right, this is the most basic prayer that people are used to. And this is the first time we've actually really talked about it. I want to give you an example of a petitionary prayer. Genesis 32. Back in the Old Testament, this is a really great prayer. Genesis 32. It has so many components of everything we've been talking about. Genesis 32, starting in verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O, um, o Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. Notice how he starts. Who is God? You're the God of my fathers. This is what you said to me. I'm telling God about God. That's how he begins it. I am not worthy of the least of all these deeds of your steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan and now I have come, become two camps. There's an acknowledgement. It's not quite a confession, but it is a kind of confession. Lord, I'm not worthy for what you've been doing in my life. Like I am so amazingly blessed that you would do this. I came here with nothing and look what you did a kind of confession, and a telling God about God. Here it is, verse 11. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. The petition is, God, please deliver, I'm afraid. Honestly sharing with God and asking for what he wants. This thing is about to happen Ah, he may overrun me, he may defeat me. I am afraid, Lord, will you deliver me? And he makes this petition within everything else that he's been praying. 
But you said, I will surely do you good and make your, your offspring as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for a multitude. I'm gonna trust you because this is what you said. I'm back to trusting you again. I'm back to telling you about you. I'm gonna go ahead and stay because I trust you're gonna do this. Deliver me, I'm afraid, but I trust. Petition. We all have things, and actually, let's look at one more real quickly. Turn to Matthew 6. Because this is one that we do every day, or every Sunday, sorry, not necessarily, well, some of us do it every day. You may do it every day, but you definitely do it every Sunday when you're here. Matthew chapter 6. Pray then like this. Our Father, there's my relationship, telling God, I'm, I'm addressing you as my Father, not as a distant deity, not as a dictator, but as my Father, an intimate relationship. In heaven, hallowed be your name. I want your name to be lifted up. I want your name to be honored. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not mine. There's so much humility in this prayer. Lord, I'm just looking for what is happening in heaven to be here, and I want to be a part of it. I want your will. And then the petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Confession. As we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is more of a crying out. God, deliver us. That's, that's what Jacob is doing. Deliver us from evil. Don't let us fall. We're too weak on our own, is the implication. The Lord's prayer starts with that intimacy, but then it acknowledges his will. It wants his will. It wants his name to be honored. And then it goes to the most basic things because we're supposed to pray about everything. Just give us bread, God. And please forgive our sins because we know we've transgressed you. All of those elements are part of this normal prayer that we do. Petition. Petition is like On our spiritual road trip here, petition is the actual vehicle we're driving. This is the thing we're taking from point A to B. This is what we're asking God for. The reason we're going this direction right now is because no matter what we are seeking, we're needing God. We're needing God to step in. And so we go, all right, I was going the wrong direction. Okay, that's the right direction. God, here's the things that I have messed up. And Lord, I want to... Thank you for all the ways you've been blessing me in these and these and these. That's keeping me on the path. Now, God, here's what I'm looking for. I may not deserve it, but you're my father. And so I'm genuinely coming to you and asking, here's what I need. Hear me. God wants to hear your needs. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too large. In fact, a lot of these prayers, I mean, the things Paul prays for are crazy. They're gigantic things, and that's okay too. God wants to hear from you. There was a, a young man named Ben, and he had gone over to his grandmother's house, and he was helping her do some laundry, but he got onto her computer to look for something, and he saw one of her Google searches 
And the Google search didn't just put in a topic. It said, please help me know what this Roman numeral is. Thank you. That was her search. <laughs> and he came and he asked her, said, Grandma, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this thing? It came out that she thought that every search that you put in, there was a human being sitting at a computer somewhere who was reading the search and who would then send you back the stuff that you needed. And so she was being polite. She said, I just, I thought if I was polite, then they would listen and maybe it would be faster. And so I just wanted to be nice because I thought there was a person on the other end. <laughs> What's interesting is how often in our prayers, we don't really think there's somebody on the other end. Like we're praying like most of us do Google searches. It's just kind of throwing a prayer out there hoping. And, and if I could get one thing across, what she thought was going on with Google is actually going on with our Father. He is actually listening and wants to. And every once in a while, God does really incredible things. While I was crying because of the hot water bottle, Ruth was in the front row, the little girl who had prayed. She rushed forward, crying out, if God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the dolly too. And rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out a small, beautifully dressed dolly. Her eyes shone she had never doubted. And looking up at me, she asked, can I go over with you, Mommy, and give this dolly to that little girl so that she will know that Jesus really loves her? God answers. Next week, I'm going to do the last series on, last sermon on prayer. And we're going to address when God doesn't answer. Right now, I want you to practice this week. You are praying to your Father. Come humbly. Come in faith, believing he can do it. Come and tell God things about God. Get us on the right track. Genuinely share with him. And as you're doing it, confess, give thanks, and then ask your Father for what you need. Let's pray. Father, it shouldn't be this complicated, but it is. Each of us have had our challenges with prayer. Lord, let us remember that you're our Father, that we can come to you and help us in the many ways that we can talk with you, share with you, ask of you, and know you are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.